Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you out to another um, lecture from my Purpose Singleness course. This course was designed to help those who are single um, to, uh, to maximize it so they can make sure um, that they're prepared for whatever level of life they see fit. And this course was birthed out of my third book, The Purpose of Singleness, Are You Whole or Full of Holes? And this course is for us to assess the holes in our life um, to see how we can give our lives to God to patch up those areas so that we'll be able to manage and be uh, well enough to hold the next phase of life. So everyone that's coming in live, uh, come in, share, comment, all that good stuff, engage with me. I'm looking forward to that. But while everyone is coming in, I want to make sure I address um, those who's watching later or listening later. My name is Joshua. If this is your first time, my name is Joshua. I also know as Coach Josh. And my goal is to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And my mission is to help you make sense of your life. And uh, after watching this video, like, man, I like this guy's vibe. I like what he's doing, I like what he's contributing. I like what he's sharing. Uh, feel free to subscribe. I would love to have your part of my online community here on YouTube or wherever you find me on Facebook or wherever you get your podcast information from. But for those who's joining me live, uh, come on in. I'm going to go ahead and get my notes together. Let me know what city, what state, what country you're watching from, all that good stuff. Um, uh, for those who are trying to follow uh, what I'm doing here as far as this live, make sure you go to the description box below or the comment section and download today's worksheet. Today's worksheet link is in the description box below. Download it so that you can follow along with me with the notes as well as get the activity at the end, the life work activity that will help you better engage um, 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 this area of your life when it comes to personal behaviors and singleness. Also, uh, for those who want coaching, you're like, man, I, I want to get access to this after watching this video. Like, man, I want to get that one-on-one coaching from Coach Josh. Make sure you check out my Patreon. My Patreon call is, is called For Doers Only. It's for those who really want to pursue their purpose, uh, uh, really grow in their life, and they really want some level of access to coaching to me, you can do that now by going to the link below. I would love to help you move on in life, particularly if this area matches what you're struggling with in regards to your purpose. But let's get right into my notes. We're going to be talking about behaviors and singleness. Behaviors and singleness. So make sure you share this to everyone. Make sure you like, comment, because today's um, video, I really believe, will be beneficial to all those um, who listens and who wants to engage. Let's get into it. The main thought is this. How you behave matters to God and should always matter to you. Today's main thought for this lecture is that how you behave matters to God and should always matter to you. Our main question for tonight's lecture is this. How will you conduct yourself in all areas of life? Again, our main thought is how you behave matters to God and should always matter to you. Our main question is, or the question I have for you is this, how will you conduct yourself in all areas of life? Let's get to the problem. Many singles have no guidelines or codes for their behavior. Many singles or individuals have no guidelines or codes for their behavior. They are living their lives without any structure or self-control. They are living their lives without any structure or self-control. Their behaviors are hindering them from beholding. Many singles right now have no guidelines or codes for their behaviors. They're living in life just loosely. Um, that's why I tell people these times are too critical and not to have certain self-controls. Um, we have to make sure that we are positioning ourselves 
uh, by a certain code, a certain method, certain rules, so that when we rule the areas of our life, we won't be uh, proven unfit or unqualified due to us not having any structure. God wants us to rule our behaviors. God wants us to be self-controlled. There's a verse that I want to share real quick. Let me pull up. The, the scripture for today's lecture is this. It's in Titus uh, 2, 11 through 14. Let's get to it. The word of God says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Let's break this down. For the grace of God has appeared. That's what I love about it. Let's stop there. And my goal with all of my lectures is to help us um, better exegete the text, understand the text, dive into it with the intentions to applying it, right? So for the grace of God has appeared. What was the grace of God? The grace of God was his son, Jesus, the second of the triune Godhead, the second, the, the individual person who was Christ. That was his grace saying that since the Garden of Eden, many people were, not many people, but we were in position in fallen state. Through that fallenness of our nature, we were unable to relate with God again. But because of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, who was Jesus, it then now gives us access um, to have relationship with God. And that grace enables us to grow from glory to glory, enables us to live righteously, enables us by the help of the Holy Spirit to live the life that we ought to live. Because without the Holy Spirit, without the sacrifice of the Lamb, there will be no connection to the Godhead that would enable Enable us to be the proper heads of the areas of our lives, ruling it, uh, uh, stewarding it well through self-control. So for the grace of God has appeared, it be appeared in human form, Jesus. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. What I love about that is that the salvation of God is not for a select few, that the blood of Christ is enough to pay for the sins of all humankind, those who desire him. So what he's saying is, is that my blood, the payment for all mankind is available to any people or all people. But not, but God's a realist. He knows that I, I'm going to pay for everyone, knowing that everyone would not accept him. And he does that because on judgment day, no one can say that there was no provision for them to be saved, that there was no access to any support to God, et cetera, et cetera. But the grace of God who appeared, who was Jesus, brought salvation to all people, saving us from our sinful nature, saving us from the wrath of God, saving us from hell, right? And then sanctifying us after we have been sealed by the spirit, sanctifying us so that we now can uh, exhibit, exhibit behaviors that are, that are beholded in the nature of God. See, salvation through justification is this, that we have been justified as saved. When when uh, the goodness of God has drawn us to repentance, the Holy Spirit, which has pre the prerequisite, has cultivated our hearts to receive the seed of salvation. When that occurs now, we are justified, adopted as sons and daughters of God. We are now, our sins, which are placed on Christ on the cross, his righteousness now has been placed on us. So right now we are in right standing with God. We are, have been adopted as sons and daughters of God, right? 
Sanctification, which is the second part of the salvation process, is helping us live righteously. Justification made us righteous. Sanctification helps us live righteously to have the right type of behaviors that, that matches the one that we belong to, right? Let's get back to the text. It says, for the grace of God has appeared. Thank God it has appeared. No one's without excuse. The gospel is not some cute, cuddly uh, uh, um, declaration. It is the new order. Gospel means the new way of life. The gospel of Jesus Christ says uh, the old the old order is done away with. I have now come and have told the whole world that I am the salvation of mankind. Everyone has to respond to it. The gospel is not something that, oh, oh, just a few people respond. Everybody has responded to it. The gospel says there is a new order, a new kingdom at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's the gospel. The good news is that you now have the ability and now have the grace to, that will enable you to repent and say, God, I see you in your ultimate glory. I, I want to be like you. I want to be with you. Now I repent from my old lifestyles and my old ways. I renounce all demonic attachments and, and desires and lust and loves to now follow you. Everyone is responding to the gospel, whether it's yes or no, submit it or uh, quitting it, right? I'm glad that it's appeared because now I can, I can now have access. Bring in salvation to all people. Now, verse 12, training us. The grace of God then now trains us. The grace of God is not something for us to abuse. It's actually training. The grace of God, the spirit of God, which points us to Christ, that points us to the image of Jesus, which points us to how we ought to live and should live and now have the ability through his spirit to live, which then trains us, lures us, guides us, trains us, through situations, experiences, through his word, through his spirit, through the myriad of ways that he desires to train us, training us to renounce. Renounce by definition is to cut off, is to let, is to declare no longer power of, to renounce, to neglect, to restrain, to remove ungodliness. Anything that is not, think about this. We, you remember the old school WWJD, what would Jesus do? We have to always keep that in our mindset. What would Christ do in a situation? What would God like for me to do in a situation? And now because we have the grace of God that's with us, now we are emboldened and enabled to do what we were incapable of doing previously, right? So training us to renounce ungodliness, anything that's ungodly, anything that God wouldn't do, think about, talk about, et cetera. That grace now helps us to renounce all ungodliness, and worldly passions. Worldly passions means selfish ambitions. It means uh, the, the, the norms of this world. The Bible says um, no soldier entangles himself with civilian affairs for his or her hope or joy is to please the one that enlisted them. We are soldiers, not civilians. Many people are, are becoming civilianized uh, with culture. We were not created to be planted here, but pilgrims. And unfortunately, we are allowing the world's uh, um, grace or enabling to train us to be ungodly and to have passions that are worldly, which will cause us to be stuck here. See, it says training us to renounce ungodly and worldly passions. The Bible says love not the world, 
neither the things that are in the world. For the love of the world is not uh, for, uh, for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the pride of uh, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And these things are not of God. So we were meant to be soldiers, not civilians, but modern day perverted Christianity is training us to be civilians in this world, to compromise, to reach the world. We were not meant to reach the world by being like the world. Like I always say, in order to make a difference in the world, there must be a difference in your life. We must be different in order to make a difference. But modern day twisting of scripture and, and a poor, a perverted Christian culture is causing us to be more like civilians in this world, which would then cause us to act like the world. And then when the world that wants to be set free, the people in it, they're going to realize, well, there really doesn't need to be any difference between me and the world. But the grace of God, which was appeared to us by Jesus, which is appearing through his Holy Spirit, bringing salvation to our souls, is training us. So when we go into new levels, and we go into new stages. We, through the help of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God, will begin to renounce, let go of, repent from all ungodliness. But in order for us to know something is ungodly, we must be willing to be um, connected to, the, to God and through his Holy Spirit, letting him to reveal to the things, the things in our lives that are not conducive to a Christian or a person that's supposed to walk in the things of God. Let's keep going. The grace of God, which has appeared through Jesus and is appearing as, as far as renewing our minds through his spirit, saving us, sanctifying us, is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-control. One of the fruit of the spirit or one of the contributing factors of the fruit of the spirit, like I always say, the fruits is the, the text didn't say the fruits of the spirit, but it says the fruit of the spirit means that you can't have one without the other. You can't be loving without any self-control. You can't be, you can't do good things without in, with impatience, right? But one of those things is self-control. God wants our behaviors to be self-controlled, spirit controlled, self-controlled. Since we're spiritually controlled, then we are taught how to be self-controlled. It says, and to live, live in every area of our lives, self-controlled, upright. And godly lives in this present age, which means it is possible. God has given us a bandwidth, a grace, a, 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 an amount of, uh, of support, empowerment, emboldenment, etc., to be able to do what we are incapable of. You and I in our own flesh, we are incapable of being self-controlled. We are incapable in our own efforts to be disciplined, but it is through our devotion and our desires and our uh, the Holy Spirit renewing our mind that we then now begin to, begin to see a, a change in life where we become more self-controlled, where we become more upright, where we become to live godly lives in this present age. In this present age, are you more like the world or more like God? Are your behaviors more of the world than it is of God? You have to assess because self-awareness or the Bible says, walk out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear means with reverence that I reverence the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, that I'm working it out. I'm working. I'm engaging with it. When I go to the gym, if I look at the weights, am I going to gain strength? If I just go into the gym, I went, right? And in conversations, many of us have said, I went to the gym today, and that's all we said. And it implies to other people, oh, they lifted. No, they just went it. 
right? So if I go to the gym and just look at the weights, do I become strong? If I just go walk in the door of salvation and don't engage with it, work with it, maneuver through it, how can I become strong spiritually? So we just can't just be talking about that, 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 uh, that I'm just going to just hope things happen. No, I got to engage with it. I got to work in it. I got to, I got to, I got to walk this thing out. Verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope. Now that implies that there's no hope here. (laughs) I'm waiting for my blessed hope. Money is not, I'm not waiting on money to be my blessed hope. I'm not waiting on children to be my blessed hope. I'm not waiting for opportunities to be my blessed hope. I'm not waiting for anything to be my blessed hope. My blessed hope is Jesus. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. No, that, that shows right there that Jesus is God. The appearing of the glory of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself. The work of salvation is Jesus' work in us through the second of the Godhead, the spirit of God. He says, I'm going to send the comforter, right? And when we understand the gift, then we'll appreciate the grind. When we know that he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. So now our behaviors can be more structured. Now we can actually uh, exhibit to the world a Christ-like character, a godliness that would then be a, through a godliness that turns into goodness. That now we can be used by God through the goodness that he's working in us to draw people to repentance. How can we draw people to repentance if we always are uh, um, pacifying them and, and talking? No, no, no. Repentance says I repentance is I understand and know that I am currently not in right standing with God, that the way I'm living, the way I'm behaving, the way I'm doing things is not how I should. And I have seen through revelation through the spirit of God and through submitted men and women who are anchored in God have shown me what is required of me to walk righteously in this world. That, it, that it, when I realize the goodness of God and the mercy of God, and we talk a lot about God's grace, but we don't talk a lot about God's mercy. Grace says, I enable. Grace says, here is unmerited favor. We always take talk about favor, but what about mercy? I'm gonna look at the definition of mercy. Give me one second. Mercy by definition is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's own power to punish or harm. What what that means is, is that we talk about God's favor, but we don't talk about his mercy. We were supposed to be punished. We were supposed to go to hell, but it is his mercy. His mercy says, hey, I know you're wrong. You are wrong. Nobody repents if all they think is, is that they're just whatever. There has to be an understanding that I am wrong. Truth is offensive. Truth hurts, but truth heals. We cannot articulate a grace that makes people comfortable. This is not a comfortable walk. The Bible says narrow is the gate, narrow is the life. And in that, the glory of Christ and who he is to us will then bring comfort. But we can't just pacify these people and make them believe that all they got to do is say a prayer and, and just receive and all this stuff and, and through this cheap and, and perverted form of grace that we don't understand the mercy, that we don't understand that we must repent. 
that, that I have to be shown my sins. I have to be shown it. But with my sins being shown, I must also see the lovingness of God, the mercy of God that now enables me to want to live godly, upright, that that enables me to not be distracted by this present age, that will enable me, like in verse 13, that will make sure that my blessed hope is only Jesus, and my blessed hope is not money, my blessed, your blessed hope as a single woman is not the ma a man, a husband, <clears throat> your blessed hope as a, a husband is not a wife, your blessed hope is not children, but your blessed hope is Jesus, because when your blessed hope is anything but God, then what happens, family, then you would be riding this life with unrealistic expectation. And I'm going to talk about next week, potentially unrealistic expectation. And then when you come, you meet that man, you meet that woman, you get that job, you get your money and you realize that those components of life are unable in their own merit to actually uh, uh, take care of what's been buried <clears throat> in your heart. Then you plummet into depression. Then you plummet into issues. So what is your blessed hope as a single person, as a married person, as an individual, as a businesswoman, as a businessman, as a student, as a teenager? What is your blessed hope? Is it the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ or it is the appearing of a husband or the appearing of a, of a wife or the appearing of children or the appearing of the bag or the appearing of whatever? Because none of those things have the power in verse 14 to redeem us from all lawlessness. Anything that you look as redeeming, like a redeeming code, right, that you type in that, that helps you save in life, redeem code, rede to redeem this, right, or, re or whatever the code is, those things outside of God increases lawlessness, and it perverts you away from who he is, which would then, verse 14, will keep you from being a people of his own possession. I'm glad I belong to him. So that I can now be zealous for what? Good works or good behaviors. That verse is powerful. Let's get into my other points here. Let me pull up my, my notes. And I ain't even got to my notes and I'm 22 minutes in. Those things can become idols. That's right. They become idols. God doesn't mind us being married. He wants to, all good things come from the father of lights. God wants to give his children good things, but he doesn't give those good things to people who are not uh, mature enough to manage them. God is looking for maturity. God is not looking. He's the, see, when a parent wants a child, uh, uh, that, that parent or that guardian doesn't mind discipline that child because it wants that child. A parent that needs that child, needs that child to love them, don't correct. God don't need us. God is self-sufficient. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need me. And that, re that, uh, that relieves all the pressure off of me. I don't, I'm glad that's too much weight for God to need me because that's too much. I'm glad he wants me. It is the wanting of God that enables me to want to do great things for him because I'm wanted. I'm going to get to those points. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me know in the comments that if y'all learning something and getting something thus far. Let me pull up my notes real quick. All right, here we go. All right, main thought. Let's get into this. The main thought is this. How you behave matters to God and should always matter to you. How you behave in every area of life should matter to you and it does matter to God. The main question is, how will you conduct yourself in all areas of your life? Now, we said the problem is this. Did we get to the problem? I think we did. Many singles have no guidelines or codes for their behaviors. They are living their lives without any structure or self-control. 
Their behaviors are hindering them from beholding. Now, let's get to some points here. There's four Bs. You probably heard the three Bs, but the four Bs are added one. Each four of these words have six letters in them. Belong, believe, behave, behold. Okay. Behold, oh, belong, <laughs> believe, uh, behave, and behold. <clears throat> the reason why our behaviors to a degree are where they are is because two things. It's the beginning word and the last word. We don't really, uh, we have issues in where we belong. We don't know where we really belong and we don't really know what we want to behold. We want to behold these different things, right? We want to behold marriage. We want to see marriage. We want to see children. We want to see success. We wanted to behold these things. But in order for us to behold these things, we must behold. In order to behold, we have to behold, right? Let's go to the first B, belong. The reason why many people are exhibiting poor behaviors that's hindering them from beholding marriage and beholding ministry success, beholding business success, beholding all these great success. We're talking about not just beholding and seeing it, but seeing it through because there's people who got bad behaviors and are, and have beheld and they're beholding marriage. They have gotten married. They have gotten children. They have children. They have money, etc. But they're not, they see it, but they're not going to be able to see it through. Moses saw the promised land, but could not go into the promised land. I refuse to be a person that was called and destined for a promised place, a promised land. But because of the influence of other people and through disobedience and not knowing who I belong to, hinder me from fully beholding it physically. I don't just want to see it from a mountaintop and then be restricted. I want to behold the milk and honey. I want to get in there. I want to behold the things that God has predestined for me to enjoy and for me to uh, to endure and for me to grow in. I want to behold it. But it begins with our belonging. The issue is with our behaviors. The reason why our behaviors fluctuate, and I've noticed it as a, stu as a teacher in a school system, or, or just in my own personal life, is that a lot of people are longing to belong. The reason why our behaviors are not where they are and the reason why many people right now are setting themselves up not to behold what they desire to hold is because they're longing to belong. See, a lot of, a lot of people do not want to be alone. But it's in our being alone that we realize and understand where who we belong to. I have no longing anymore in my heart because I fully understand who I belong to. I don't belong to any other thing or person but the creator of me. But unfortunately, many people can't see the value that has been placed on them by the image that they bear. We are image bearers. We be we are uh, we we look like our parents, but we have the image of God. The Bible says, "Let us create man in our image." Why do you say us? Because the Trinity, the Godhead, God, one in person, a uh, one in essence, uh, uh, and 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 fully in three persons, which was revealed throughout time, right? While beholding and being one in eternity, right? The issue is, is that. We don't realize that God being three in one makes us three in one. We are made in his image. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, Joshua, the Joshua, the body. Joshua has a soul. Joshua has a spirit. I'm three in one. I bear his image. The devil hates it 
and the angels look curiously because they were not made in the image of God. Satan is, is still egotistical and caught up in, in, who, in who he is and his pride and hates that you bear the image of God. And he wants to pervert the image of God to mock God. Therefore, he has a bunch of holes within the structure of society that causes certain people to not have the fathers they needed, to not have the mothers that they needed, the nurturing that they needed, they don't have, the instruction. They want us to be messed up in our formative years because our uh, look at culture now. Women and men, both fathers and mothers are working or the, or the father leaves the home or the mother leaves the home or these different holes within the family structure now leaves a child to grow up fractured because that there's no father and there's no mother. Now the child is fractured. That child now has holes in their life. And then what happens when they don't feel like they're loved and they don't feel like they belong at their home or they don't feel like they belong in their school. Or they don't feel like they belong in their circles. All of a sudden they start longing. That's why I'm glad I belong to God because there's no for no need for me to long for any other associations. Friendships are good. Marriage is good. Family is good. But but there's none of those things can even come to or scratch the surface of who I belong to. It is very imperative that you know who you belong to. Now, pre-salvation, you belong to this world. In salvation, you have been bought with a price. That price determines your price. The price that was paid for you determines your price. The price for me, the price for you was the blood of God. Why do you think God had to come in the form of man? Because God in spirit could not relate. He had to go in the flesh of man. That's why he says Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. He created a system that was imperfect, but the perfect, but the perfect path for mankind and the God to, to relate again. That's why he created the woman. And that's why people get offended that the woman, the child in a woman's body is not the is not the woman's body. That's why when the women talk about it's my body, I do what I want. That child, that child is not yours because that child does not get the blood from his mother. The blood from the, the blood from the mother does not come to the child. The blood comes from the father. Therefore, the baby inside of you is not your body. That's the body of the child. That's on the top of the day. God knew that. So he said, I'm going to create a passageway by which I can come through into the world so that I can now, through the second of the Godhead, be a high priest that can empathize and understand because nobody wants to belong to anyone who does not understand. And so God said, they're not going to understand me in this uh, in this area. So therefore, I have to come in flesh. I got to know what it's like to be cold. I got to know what it's like to be hot. I got to know what it's like to be ostracized, talked about, ignored. I have to know. And he didn't come through a palace. He came through a manger. He said, I'm not going to come from, from thrones and kingdoms. I'm not going to come through as a king. I'm going to come through humble because I want to know what it's like to come from nothing to be something. I want to be able to come where I'm a carpenter and getting cut and getting splinters, knowing that this wood that I'm working on now is going to be the wood that's going to be scraping my back for the salvation of people. He said I had to come as flesh so that we can relate. So that I can understand you and you know I can understand you. I mean, you we understand each other. Therefore, now we can relate again. And now you will be able to say, I belong to God because he understands me. God knows it's like to be abandoned. He knows it's like to be rejected. He was rejected by all of the disciples. He know what it's like to be in critical situations. Don't have nobody to, to hold on them. That when he's in a moment of night and he needed somebody, those people will sleep. Have you ever been, have you ever needed someone? 
at one o'clock, two o'clock, and you needed them for advice, but they was too sleepy. They know what nobody was there. You know what it feel like. And y'all don't even, we don't even know what it's like to even sweat to blood. We haven't even died. So God said, I went the full measure. I went through all the pains of life and the pains of death so that everyone alive <clears throat> can know that I understand them because even those who died, he said, I understand death. He had to die because he knew that everyone will die. And so when you die, even in death, you know he understands. And then when he knows that since everyone's going to live forever, I have to resurrect myself. The same power that laid, that laid his life down, the same power that brings him up. So that when a person dies in death and they open their eyes to eternal glory, he can even understand that. He says, I want, I live the life that will, that will enable me to understand every point of the human experience so that no one can have an excuse that they don't belong to me. But what happens is, is in modern day culture, we have perverted the image of God, which then makes us feel like we don't belong to God, or we feel like we become lazy in our belonging to him. But the reason why our behaviors are affected is because we don't know who we belong to. When you know you belong to God, you was bought with a price. Now you price less. And like I said in many videos, you won't price yourself less because you equal you uh, a heir and a joint heir with Christ. So you know where you stand. You know where you belong. I don't belong here. Therefore, I'm not a civilian here. See, I, I move differently. So my behaviors become different because my behaviors are of the likeness of a soldier, not a civilian. And a lot of people, when they get into Christianity, they get comfortable, they get complacent. They All they do is, is sing and do all the different things. There's nothing wrong with that, but we are soldiers. We got a kingdom to advance. We got things we got to do. We got to behave accordingly. When you go to the army, you go to these different armed forces, they have to dress a certain type of way. I'm not talking about, I'm not, just hear me metaphorically. They have to carry themselves a certain kind of way because of who they represent. And we forget who we represent. And we walking through life, listening to music, watching shows, doing things of this world. And we, quote unquote, make it OK because we're trying to reach the world. God don't need no music to reach nobody. God don't need nothing. He needs a vessel. He needs a person that's willing to be different. And so what happens is now, since we got to be Pokemon, we got to catch them all. Now we start setting ourselves to a certain levels and we don't reach no one fully. So what we're trying to say here is that we got to make sure. That we know who we belong to because our belonging then affects our beliefs. When you know you belong and, and everyone, every group has certain belief systems. Every group has a certain uh, value systems. Every group has standards. Groups at large, subgroups up in those large groups, everybody has forms of beliefs. But when you know you belong to God and God can relate to you at every point, he was tempted at every point but did not sin. So he's telling you that I've been tempted at every point. Every point doesn't mean everything. It just means the top categories, everything that has similar feelings in each, in each platform, where at each point, even though I may not have went through molestation, I may not have went through these different things, but I know the points of each to be able to relate to all so that all can say or have the potential to say, God, God loves me and I belong to him. Right. Then whoever or whatever group I belong to will then shape my beliefs. It then begin to shape my worldviews. It then begin to shape the way I think, carry myself, act and talk. It begins to shape those things. Now you got to assess what groups are you trying to belong to? What groups are you longing to belong to? There's nothing wrong with being alone. There's nothing wrong with belonging to God. Some of the, some, what I've learned as I got older 
is that I love my alone time with God. I love God more than anything and anyone. He paid for me. He bought me with a price. His yoke is easy. His burdens are light. Right? I love this life, fam. Right? So with that, he, through our relationship, begins to shape my beliefs about manhood, shape my beliefs about womanhood, shape my beliefs about wifehood, husbandhood, shape my beliefs about how I should carry myself in every area. It, it, it shapes my beliefs on how I should treat myself, how I should treat others, how I should treat my friends, my family, my foes, and, and, and those who are foreign to me, how I can treat all these different groups, right? It then begin to shape my beliefs. Because I know I belong to him. And when I know I belong to him, it makes me want to be in the pages of his love letter. It makes me want to get into the pages of his word to find out more about me and how I should act beyond me. So where I belong would determine my beliefs and my beliefs would determine my behaviors. If I believe that I belong to God, which is beyond a president, which are beyond kings, king of kings, Lord of lords, then I carry myself with a different level of dignity. How do you carry yourself with determine where you belong? Like when I know that I'm a son of God, my shoulders are wide, my back is straight, my head is high. I don't care who got more money than me. I don't care who got more prestige than me. I am an ambassador. I am a child of the living God. Therefore, my confidence is beyond the confidence of man. And that's what we should have. Because when we have that level of belonging, we carry ourselves long. We carry ourselves tall. We carry ourselves long and strong. We carry ourselves differently. We don't carry ourselves wrong. Long, tall. We carry ourselves strong in the power of God. And we, we, we move anything that's wrong. Because we know who we belong to. We know what our mission is. We know what our purpose is. Why are you even here? We are here as believers to advance his kingdom on this earth. Letting people know, husbands, you can behave differently. Mothers, you can behave differently. Children, you can behave differently. God loves you. Belong to him. Long for him so you belong to him. And then change the way you believe. And then that's how we restructure these families. That's how we start restructuring these communities. Because until we come back to God, every system will be wrong. If every system belonged to God to a theocracy or 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 operating in, in the things of God, the tenets and principles of God, you will begin to see a change world ride. Revival is not just a, a tent revival or moving in a service. Revival is the changing of culture. If you want to change the culture, know who you belong to. Then you don't even want to listen to certain songs anymore. You don't even want to live, think, smell, drink, or do anything contrary to godliness anymore because you know what you've been in, sent into this world for. So when we know that we belong to God, we then believe differently. Oh, yes, sugar mama, get that pilgrim. I should have wore that pilgrim shirt. What was I thinking? I should go change my shirt, but I'm not because this is the bucket shirt, the one with the, no holes. I'm whole. But yeah, when you know where you belong to and, and go to my website now, IamUnplugged.com to get you a shirt. IamUnplugged.com. Let me see if I can find a little, little thing right here. It says, you know, you gave me an opportunity to plug something. IamUnplugged.com. T-shirts, all that good stuff. Books, all that good stuff. But anyway, back to the When we know that we belong to God, we our beliefs begin to change. Husbands begin to think differently. Singles begin to think differently. Women begin to think differently. Men begin to think differently. Because your value comes from the vision of God. Your value comes from what he sees about you. 
Then you carry yourself with a certain level of behaviors. Now I don't cuss. Now I don't. I don't. I don't speak no foul language. I only speak what's fitting the occasion. Now I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't talk this way. Now I don't think this way. I don't live this way. I don't do that. I'm. I'm. I'm a soldier. I don't. I, I'm. I'm a child of God. I don't do those things. You know. And and it's not that we go to people and be like, this is what I don't do. People will see what you don't do, and will be shocked that you don't do it. Most of these churches, people go into, they're shocked how similar the church is to the world. When they watch these streams and listen to the music that they be playing in their services, listen to what they be listening to their Instagram stories, have see what they are giving clearance, subtle clearances for, people in the world gonna be like, I don't gotta change. I ain't don't need to change. But when we live the standard, people wanna be the standard. When I'm in the school, people wanna be like me. Kids wanna be like me because they say Josh is holding a standard. We got to, we got to, we, as believers, we're supposed to live differently at a high level that inspires people to want to have the love that you have, to want to have the joy you have, that want the peace that you have. You can't have peace in perversion. You can't have joy with junk. You can't have love with lust. You can't have that. The Bible says, how can sweet and bitter water come out the same stream? See what I'm saying? So what we're saying is people should be able to say they live at a higher plane. They live with a different set of behaviors. They're different. <clears throat> and I want that. Not to boast, but that's just what happens when you level up. That's why they call people the 1%. Billionaires, millionaires got certain access points that certain of us don't have, right? But so when we have, when we live at a certain standard because we are inspired and emboldened, the grace of God is training us to let go of ungodly, is training us to be self-controlled, we naturally level up. The world is where lust is, junk is, pain is, envy is, jealousy is. But when you live at a different plane, people's like, how can you in this present age, how can you in this present age be so loving? How can you in this present age be so content with where you are? You're not a millionaire. You know, you content with where you are. I told the students on Wednesday when I spoke in a, a youth service, I told them, I said, man, if God never gave me another dime, I'm grateful. If, God, if I never become a millionaire, I'm grateful because I don't want God to give me nothing that's going to make me walk away from him. If he knows right now that if Josh get to a million dollars, he's going to walk from me, God, take that bag from me. But when people see that you are different, your behaviors are different, the way you treat your wife is different, the way you conduct yourself in singleness is different, the way you treat your husband is different, the way you carry yourself in purity is different, people are going to go into inquire. Let's keep going. When you know you belong to God, your beliefs begin to change. Then your behaviors begin to change. And then you get to behold certain things. When my when I know I belong to God, man, the moment I really became uh, understanding about me belonging to God, after the goodness of God had then drawn me to repent, I began to long. See, see, I know I belong, but I keep longing. Belonging don't stop the longing, okay? Just because I belong to God don't stop me from longing. I'm longing to be more like him. So I belong to him, which did inspires me to long to be like him even more in every area. I'm longing to be the best husband of God. I'm longing, I'm longing. And, and, and longingness is, is lifelong. Longingness is lifelong because it's because it is a, it's a it's a residual effect of belonging. 
Because I belong to God, now I long to even be, I, I long to be more like him in every area. And when I mess up, I know I belong to him, so I'm not in condemnation, but then I, there's something in me that shifts and say, okay, how can I adjust and assess and move on from this so I can be more like him the next time I'm in front of my wife, the next time when, when I'm around this situation, I will be more like, I guarantee it, I will be more like him in this area again. Because I know who I belong to. I know I should do better because of the greater one in me, which would then set you up to behold. I'm just, I'm just telling you, there's certain things that you're not going to behold or hold long if you don't know who you belong to. You're not going to be able to hold a marriage long until you know you belong to God. You're not going to be able to hold your singleness long until you know you belong to God. You're not going to be able to... um, um. Uh, what, I, what was I saying? Behold, or uh, you're not going to be able to hold ministry long if you don't know you belong to God. You're not going to be able to hold a business long if you don't know you belong to God. You're not going to behold anything worth anything long enough until you belong. You may get, you may have it within your fingertips. You may, you may have seen it. You may have made your money. You may be married right now. You may be successful in your singles right now. You may be successful in your career, but you're not going to hold it long until you, until you know you belong to God and long to be like him in every area of your life. So what are you trying to behold? What are you trying to see? I don't want to be like Moses on the mountaintop and see where I should belong, but don't be able to enjoy where I belong. There's a difference between well versus whelp. Whelp says, oh, well, oh, hold on, what's it, whelp? It's whelp is well, oh, well versus I'm well. I mean, I should check. I'm well versus oh, well. That's what I meant to put there. I'm well versus oh, well. When we go to the well and allow the well to uh, grow in us, right? We'll be well. God can make any area of your life well because of the wellspring in you. That's why it's important. He says, fellas, why they was eating Bojangles chicken, man, with the biscuits, why they was eating. It was the last, the last time Jesus was going to talk to him. He was eating, man, getting Bojangles, right? He said, fellas, man, I, I got to go. And, and it was like, nah, man. Peter couldn't even get through the through the drumstick, man. Biscuit about choked him. Biscuit about no, man. You gotta stay. He says, man, it's expedient for me to go, because if I don't go, I cannot send the comforter. I cannot send the wellspring that will make everything well and spring back to where it needs to be. That's why I love the Holy Spirit. He can make anything well. I don't care if your father wasn't there. I don't care if your mother wasn't there. I don't care who wasn't there in your life. That wellspring, the Holy Spirit, can make anything in your life well. Then you'll be like, I'm well. Now I'm able to hold versus, oh, well. Oh, well, I guess I just got to be like this the rest of my life. Oh, well, my mom did it, so oh, well. Oh, well. Versus I'm well. No, I want to be well. I don't want to be like, oh, well, uh, well, my mom did this to me. So, oh, well, I guess I won't do this. Oh, well, I guess I won't do that because my father does. Oh, well, I guess this, you know what I'm saying? No, mm, I'm well. Because I know who I belong to. And now that wellspring in me is just pouring, pulling me to longing to be more like God in every area, making me behave differently in other areas because I want to be a great representation because that representation and will be able to show people the goodness of God in my life, which will then draw people to the goodness of the God that I have. So I can now give them of the hope that's in me. So people, where are you? Are you at oh well or I'm well? I know it says well versus well, but it meant it was supposed to be I'm well versus oh well. Are you desiring to be well or is it like, oh, well, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll stay here. No, 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 don't stay there. Now, behaviors. 
by definition is the way in which in which someone conducts themselves or oneself or behaves to act, function, or react in a particular way. That's what a behavior is, the way in which someone conducts oneself. How do you conduct yourself in private? How do you conduct yourself in public? How do you how do you conduct yourself with the opposite sex? How do you conduct yourself with children? How do you conduct yourself um, online? How do you conduct yourself in business? How, God cares about how we conduct. Behavior by definition, again, is the way in which someone conducts oneself or behaves. All right, let's go to the next point. Or oh, to act, to function, or react in a particular way. Let me get to my notes. Here we go. Now, behaviors matter. Let's look at some points. Our behavior or fruit matters to God because our behaviors in many arenas are his greatest marketing tools. They are the evidence of his work in our lives. So behaviors matter. What, we have to understand they matter so that we can go to where we belong, so that we can then renew, so our minds can then be renewed, so that we can actually behold the things that God wants us to behold in his life. Our behaviors or fruit matters to God. They matter because our behaviors or fruit in many arenas are his greatest marketing tool. God's greatest marketing tool is not how cool your church is. It's not how dope your music is, your praise worship is. Your great, the greatest marketing tool of the church is not his worship albums. The greatest marketing tool of the church is not the uh, marketing strategies. The greatest marketing tools for, for God's kingdom is not how many people come to a particular church. The greatest marketing tool, the greatest marketing tool for God, which means God don't need the devil's music. God don't need the devil's marketing strategy. God, the, the, God don't need none of this world stuff. Because the world cannot bring nobody out of the world. The world cannot bring anything out from it, right? What the greatest marketing tool for by God is a changed life. That's why the devil has flipped the church into uh, performance and entertainment and not devotion and discipleship. So what, what happened is now the church is all about entertaining. Their marketing budgets for their albums are in the millions. But nobody has no discipleship structure. And these little dumb small groups don't do hilly, hilly beans. <laughs> they don't do diddly squat. They don't do nothing. All they do is little groups that come together, eat snacks, and talk about the sermon that was preached on Sunday. And hope that we build together, etc. No, 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 no. God don't need no entertainment, fam. God don't need all that stuff. God only, I learned that I was guilty of that. So you talking to somebody that knows. I had the smoke machines. I had the lights. I had the music videos playing in my in my in my Bible study. Hear that? I had I had music. I had coffee. I had drinks. I had a big old ice chest with ice with the bottle drinks in that. The, the good or, or good? No, 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 nothing kind of bottles. We talking about sodas. Had sodas up in there. Had snacks galore. People walking up to the place, music thumping. They come and grab a little bottle, come sit and give the Bible study. Even though my word was still the same, you can go back to all those videos. The word did not change, but my methods. My methods was trying to mimic or dumb down the, the out, outer, outer structures of it that makes people welcoming. That's why the guy who created a seeker-friendly movement lost his own church. How does the one who created these systems of methods that are being permeated to all these different mega churches, where it's these same methods are where they are, and this man get caught so differently, this man loses his own church, but the methods are continuing. And I saw how these methods did not work because whatever you use to get them is how is what you have to use to keep them. So what did God tell me back and what God made me do? And I fell on my knees crying in repentance. He said, man, you got to change the strategy. So what I started doing was <clears throat> we went to this building where there's none of hardwood tables, hard chairs. 
And all I had was a Bible and some worksheets. And guess how many people showed up? Not that many. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I, who cares? And what has been happening is nobody cares about developing the individual, discipling the individual. Jesus is the one who saves. We are supposed to be the ones to make disciples. He makes converts. We make disciples. But look at these churches. Do they have any discipleship resources and tools? Are they teaching people systematically how to get into God's word and eat for themselves? Or is a pastor so egocentric and so low in self-esteem that he or she has to create a system that makes him feel emboldened, her feel emboldened. So now all the, the only type of word you get is from me. Not teaching people how to eat for themselves. I promise you, people will come back if you make sure that you get them on the right track. I'm telling you. So that's why many people are not where they need to be. It's because their marketing tools is all about how can we use a track from Kanye? How can we use a song from Jay-Z? How can we use Beyonce? How can we use all these different worldly metrics to get their ears? You are just tickling them. You're not transforming them. She said, if I be lifted up, we don't need to play uh, uh, Bobby Smarter. Just because Bobby Smarter came out of prison, I mean, everybody's Instagram photos and songs got to have a uh, Bobby Smarter instrument playing in the background. What does that do? And people over here getting mad talking about, I'm not a Christian rapper. I'm a rapper who's Christian. No, 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 no. I'm not a, I'm not a black Christian. I'm a Christian, fam. Christian comes before my ethnicity. Christian becomes before my identity. It comes for everything. I'm a Christian first. I ain't no black man first. I'm a Christian, man. My, I, my blood, the blood of God has redeemed me. So now my first principle is Christ. Then color don't even come after that. So all this stuff is perverting different people. And now all of a sudden, now you got these rappers getting making songs with other people just so they can reach other people. Do you know that when you compromise, you do more damage on your side than you do reach the people on the other side? Do you not know that? So when you begin to compromise, you're hurting your base more so than you helping their base. You're not really reaching nobody. We got to get out of this. And realize that we should be focusing all of our money, time, energy, resources to discipling people, developing them, helping them exegete the word of God, helping them understand the word of God, help them implement these things from where they belong. Let's continue. Our behaviors of fruit matters to God because our behaviors in many arenas are his greatest marketing tools. They are the evidence of his working line. Next point. How you behave in your single life will determine how well, you will behave in every, every, in every other desired area. Now, what does that mean? How you behave in your single life will determine how well you will behave in every other desired area. So whatever area you desire to be in, your current behaviors will affect that. So if you behave crazy over here and you're not behaving according to the things of God over here, then when you do get married, those behaviors will destroy it. Let's keep going. How you behave in your single life will determine how well you will behave in every other desired area. So what areas do you desire to be in? You desire to be married? Okay. Are you behaving in accordance to where you desire to be? Do you desire for the, the anointing, the, the things of God to operate strongly in your ministry? Then where are your behaviors right now? You can't expect the move of God to happen strong in the public if you in sin private. Let's keep going. How you behave in your single life will determine how well you will behave in every other desired area. Keep going. Your behaviors today will determine what you will behold tomorrow. Now, you can get there. 
without God, but you won't be able to last there without God. Mm. You can get there fast without God, but you won't be able to last without God. You can get married. God ain't going to stop you. You got free will, but you won't last long without him. See, see, you can get there fast, but you won't last without God. You can get there without God. Go ahead. We all, let's go for it. We won't last long there. So your behavior today will determine what you will behold tomorrow. What do you want to behold tomorrow? What do you want to behold the next week, next month, the next year, or the next phase of life? Are your behaviors today connected to where you, if you want to be financially free, how's your financial behaviors? If you want to walk in financial freedom, how's your stewardship now? If you want to walk in a strong, lasting 60 plus year marriage, how is your, how do you love yourself? Because how can you love someone else if you don't love you? Let's keep going. In order to have a particular outcome, you must be governed by a particular order and have particular outputs. Now, there's a Bible, the verse says, uh, God says, do everything in decency and in order. In order to have a particular outcome, in order to have a particular outcome, outcome, I want this to be an outcome of my life. In order to have a particular outcome, you must be governed by a particular order. Order, organization, order, or a certain order. This is the way I order my life. Uh, um, what's the uh, order my steps in your word, dear Lord? <clears throat> Lord, Lord, lead me, guide me everywhere. Send your anointing, <laughs> Father, I pray. Order my steps in your word. Dun, 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 dun. Order my steps in your word. See? In order to have a particular outcome, you must be governed by a particular order. Don't ask God to order your steps if you're not willing to go where he's ordering them. You got to be submitted. Say, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. God, I'll go. I only want to behold what he wants me to hold. But if I want these particular outcomes, divine outcomes, right? I must be governed by a particular order and have particular outputs. Outputs means I got to do certain things every single day in order for me to behold certain things in one day, right? Let's keep going. Blessings naturally follow the obedient and those who live by a particular order. Particular blessing, particular order. Yeah, Brooklyn Tabernacle. Boy, I might listen to that when I get off here. I think that sounds like 10 minutes long. Either way, you know what I'm saying? See, people get mad. It was like, man, um, blessings follow a particular order. I'm telling you, like, it's not my works that makes me blessed. It's the order that makes me blessed. People, no, we're not blessed strictly because of our works. We're not by, by, by the grace of God. But there are certain things you must do in order to have a blessed marriage, in order to have a blessed ministry. God is not going to bless mess. He's not. He can't. He can't. His name is online. He can't endorse no mess. So people be like, God bless me, but you got, but you got mess on you. Bless me, but mess on me. How can he bless me when I got mess on me? Right? So what I'm saying is I must do things in decency and in order. When I order my life and I walk in decency in the dignity that was given to me by the divine, then I begin to find myself walking in order. Then I start walking in the paths by which God didn't bless me. Why would God bless you with a man right now if you got mess in your life? Why would God bless you with a woman if you got mess in your life? Why would God bless and you know you still diddling and dabbling in mess? Why? Why would he? He ain't. 
And we got to get out of our mind that we can sin today and do whatever we want and be hellish today and expect heaven to come down. Now, don't get me wrong. God's grace is efficient. God's grace is worth it. We're talking about blessings. We're talking about stuff that we want. We're talking about stuff that we want to behold. We're talking about stuff we want to fold like money. We, we talk about all these different things, but we don't got the order in our life. We got to be in order and for those things to be ordered for us. We got to be in order so we can then get those things ordered off in heaven online and sent to our lives because we are in order. We are in stewardship. We are focused. We are disciplined. We are soldiers. We understand how we should be living. But why would God bless disorder? He can't because disorder <clears throat> don't affect anything. So what we're trying to say here is that we got to look at our lives and say, am I in order? Do I know who I belong to? Have I allowed my belonging to cause me to long to think like God, which then makes me want to behave like God so I can behold the things of God that God wants me to have in his life for him to be glorified, to bring people onto his side. We got to look at our houses and clean it up, clean our house. We got to go home and say, Holy Spirit, I renounce this ungodliness. I no longer <coughs> want to live lawless anymore. I want to be like you. I want to live like you. I want to think like you. I repent, God. I no longer want to live like this no more. When are we going to realize that we can't be messy and then ask God to bless me? We can't. We have to order our lives. We got to cleanse our hands. We got to go and repent and say, God, change me, renew me, because I don't want my family to go to hell. I don't want my children to go. I don't want to go wayward. I want to go towards you. This stuff ain't preached no more in these days, man. It's unfortunate. Blessings naturally follow the obedient. Listen, man, I don't get mad. People can't get mad because uh, uh, people's marriages are blessed, more blessed than theirs. But your singleness wasn't in order. How can you get mad at somebody else blessed marriage and your marriage is going through hell right now when you didn't even allow your singleness to be in order? How can you get mad at somebody else move of God is moving in their ministry, moving in their business and things are moving in life because their life in order and you mad because your previous your opportunity, a season of preparation wasn't in order. You can't get mad. You can't get mad at somebody else who ordered their life from their place of belonging, who ordered their life off of the orders of God and living in accordance. You can't get mad because they're more blessed and you get mad and we get mad because the, more, the less talented one is the most blessed one. And we're mad because we got the degrees. We got everything that, that will prove us to be successful. But we're working through sweat and they're over there resting and enjoying the blessing of God at a higher level. We can't get mad at them. I can't get mad at the blessings on someone else. I'm talking about beholding blessings. I'm talking about beholding like certain levels of life and they're enjoying it and, they, and, they're, and, they're, and they're at a level of balance, level of peace. I can't get mad at them when their life is in order. You see what I'm saying? So we got to say, God, order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Lord, lead me, guide me every way or where. Send your anointing, Father, I pray. Order my steps. Let's keep going. Hopefully I get through this message. I, I really do hope I get through this. Let's keep going. Growth is in the details, fam. Growth is in the details. We got to grow. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. Maybe a few weeks after, we're going to talk about this. Uh, we must treat ourselves like a Fortune 500 company. 
A Fortune 500 company is a company that is within the top 500 most profitable companies in the U.S. Our goal should be our goal should be to be one of the top most profitable individuals for God. And in order to do so, we must be submitted, spirit filled, structured and self-controlled. I want to be a part of the elite. I want to be a part of the top. I don't want to be a Fortune 600 company, a Fortune 700, Fortune 700. I want to be a top of the Fortune 10. I want to order my life because of the love of God and the mercy of God, the grace of God. Structure my life, self-control my life, discipline my life so that I can be pruned enough to bear more fruit. And as more fruit grows, I become more profitable for God. A tree plant, one tree planted where it's supposed to be will be more profitable than trees or forests in contaminated soil. One tree in good soil will be more profitable than a full forest in contaminated soil. It's powerful. Because I'm planted, I could be one tree planted and y'all can have a freaking forest. People can have a forest. Great for you. But your soil is contaminated. You got big ministry. Y'all got a bunch of money, but it's rooted in the world. But me, one tree, you as one tree rooted in God will be more profitable in eternity. Where do you want to be more profitable? It's a real question. Where do you want to be more profitable? Do you want to be more profitable in the world? Or do you want to be more profitable in eternity? A wise man will say, a wise person will tell you, invest where you're going to be the most. Invest where you're going to be forever, not where you're going to be temporarily. So if you're rooted and planted and you anchored, you're only going to be profitable here. What profits a man if he or she gains the whole world but loses their own soul? I want to be profitable, but I have to be submitted. I gotta let the Holy Spirit fill me. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. I'm singing today. Fill me till I overflow. Fill me up. Then I gotta be structured, order, discipline, structure, structure, goal, focus, pursuit, and self-control. Let's keep going. Thank y'all so much for watching. I gotta get in the comments. I'm over here preaching. I don't even be seeing what y'all talking about. Let's keep going. <clears throat> now, questions, code of conduct questions. Here's some questions you gotta think about. Here's some code of conduct. Oh, did I even get into code of conduct definitions? I sure didn't. A code of conduct are codes, um, uh, rules, regulations that will structure your conduct. My code of conduct. Here's some code of conduct questions you got to ask yourself. How will you treat yourself? How will I behave with myself? How will I think? How will I talk? How will I treat loved ones? How will I treat strangers? How will I treat the opposite sex? Marriage, in a marriage, wherever, in life. How will you perform in professional settings? How will you react in hostile, happy, and or hard settings? What behaviors from you are unacceptable in any circumstance and why? How will you hold yourself accountable for different actions? These questions are paramount. Because I belong to God, I will treat myself this way. Because I belong to God, I will think this way. Because I belong to God, I will talk this way. Because I belong to God, I will treat my loved ones, even the unlovable ones, this way. 
Because I belong to God, I will treat strangers this way. I will treat those whom I cannot benefit from like I will treat those whom I will benefit from. Because I belong to God, I will treat the opposite sex the way she or he is supposed to be treated at all times everywhere. Because I belong to God, I will perform professionally in professional settings. Because I belong to God, I will perform in private and intimate settings in accordance. That's alone or with the opposite sex. These are code of conduct. That, that spawns from you belonging to God. Because I belong to God, my behaviors, oh, oh, because I belong to God, certain behaviors will always be unacceptable because of these reasons. Because I belong to God, I will hold myself accountable for all actions. We got to treat ourselves like a business if we want to be profitable. We got to treat ourselves like we are soldiers and we invest in the kingdom of God. But none of this will ever work. Until we know that we are the beloved of God, until we know that we're loved by him, until we know that we belong to him, until we know the price that was paid. Man, when someone do something big for me and it costs a lot, whether it costs a lot in, in money or it costs a lot in time, that means something to me. But nobody's ever done anything for me on this side of glory compared to what Jesus has done for me. Save me from myself. Save me from the wrath of God saved me from hell and saved me for freedom and liberty in him. Because you belong to God, these questions will be answered and it's going to take time because the belonging and the behavior and the beholding part is not the toughest part. The toughest part is the believing. Do you believe you're worthy? Do you believe you're worth anything to God? Do you believe that he loves you? Do you believe that he actually wants to be so invested and so involved in your life that you actually can become the person he has created you to be? Do you know that? We got to believe differently. We got to believe that we are son. Literally, I literally believe I'm a son of God. So I treat him like a, I, and you know what's crazy? I never had a father in the home, but that doesn't affect my relationship with God because the Holy Spirit has taught me how to be a son. Don't worry about what dad you didn't have. Don't worry about what mama you didn't have. Don't worry about what type of life you went through. Don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit, you got the files. You got everything you need through his spirit to help you do what you've never seen. I've never seen a husband before, but I'm supernaturally. Being a husband is a supernatural thing. Being a father figure, because I'm not a father father yet, but I'm a father figure. So it, that, that, that takes us a supernatural work. So don't worry about what you had or didn't have. God will supernaturally make you even though you may have never seen it before. So whatever fractures in your life and your foundation, God says you belong to me. You know, um, when a person goes to a scrap shop and they see an old 1967 Chevrolet, scratches all over it, tires flat, no engine, seats torn, leather seats torn, rust everywhere. Because that person, that man or woman sees the value in that 1970 Chevy, box Chevy, 1980, 90 box Chevy, whatever. Even though at that moment, that Chevy is rusted, don't have all the parts. That person says, that's mine, I'm paying for it. Because the person that pays for it sees the outcome. So he gets another truck, gets accountability, gets other things to bring that box Chevy, bring that 67 Chevy, bring that whatever, that old car, <clears throat> bring it to his yard. 
and works on it. God says, it don't matter how torn the seats are. God said, I don't care if the radio don't work. He said, I don't care if the engine's bad. I don't care if you don't have brakes. I don't care if your tires are flat. As long as you allow me to bring you to me, I can fix that over time. And then that 1967 box, not the 67, but that, but that 19, whatever, 90 box Chevy can now be refurbished, can now be made new. So God said, I, I buy as is. But it won't stay as is. Oh, so God says, even though I'm in a scrap shop, I'm not here in the world looking at different scraps and looking at different uh, uh, cars that are not fit. Cars are not driving like they should. He says, I buy as is, but it won't stay as is. And that's what happens when you belong to God. Yes, your life looks trash right now. Yes, my life was trash. And all the different trash things, we all got issues. Yes. But God is refurbished and renewing. Then I will actually be on the road again. Like, like back in 1970, brand new off the, off, the, off the showroom floor. God says, I don't care how you is when I met you. He says, jump and join to my foreknowledge because I see you refurbished. I see you rebuilt and I see you back on the road again. What's next points? Let's get back. Lord, that was good. All right, let's keep going. All right. All right, all, right, all right, so questions. How to develop your code of conduct? And make sure you download tonight's notes by clicking the course link below. So that you can, I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to talk about today, which is good because God didn't kind of just boom, boom, this we're talking about. So my worksheet might not have been like normal. So I may create another worksheet a little bit more exhaustive so that you can develop your code of conduct. Um, uh, but how to develop your code of conduct? And the code of conduct is not forced. It is flowed into. God's not forcing you got to live by this or I don't love you. Please understand not what I'm saying. I'm not saying God says, you got to live this way or I can't use you. You got to live this way. No, no, no. God just says, man, let's flow into these conducts. Let's flow. Let's grow into these conducts. I'm not forcing these conducts on you. I understand. I'm a God's a realist. He it takes time. So I'm not sitting there saying that you got to be perfect tomorrow. No, we growing into these conducts. I'm still growing. We're still developing, right? Number one, C. I spelled code. I think I did because I was rushing through these notes. How to develop your code of conduct. Number one, consult the word of God. In order to have proper code of conduct, we got to say, well, I got to go where I belong. What does the word of God say? As a man, how I should conduct myself. As a woman, how I should conduct myself. As a child, how I should conduct myself. As a student, wherever you place you are in life. Consult the word of God and then make some cuts. Let the word of God cut you so you can make some cuts out of your life. Now you got to say, okay, I can't watch this no more. I can't listen to this no more. I can't do this anymore because it's influencing the way I conduct my life. So when I consult the word of God to see how I should live, then I can make cuts from things in my life that's making me live contrary to it. Number two, I got to determine, determine my desired outcomes. What outcome do you want in your life? What do you want to behold? Without a vision, the people perish. What are the desired outcomes for your life? If you say I desire to be married, so now I'm going to implement the conducts I need now in my single life so that I can have a sustained married life. And if I want this ministry, I want this business, I want this whatever. What are the outcomes of my life? What how do I want my family tree to be? All right. Then I got to determine outcomes so then I can have disciplined output. So I can start. That's what I got to do daily. That's why this is how I got to behave and carry myself. I carry myself a certain time. Well, I'm just gonna keep it a buck, man. The reason why I'm blessed because I carry myself like my father does. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm rocking with. I'm rocking with how my Lord does. I only do what I see my father do, family, to the best of my ability. You know what I'm saying? I, I I let the fruit of the spirit flow in my life, man. That's why I'm blessed, man. And this ain't no boasting time. I'm just blessed. 
I'm blessed because I'm blessed by the best because I'm trying to be like him. I want to be like him. I love him. I care about how I represent him. When you care about how you represent somebody, you'll get your reps up. I care about my representation of the Lord because I know that as a role model, people are going to be intrigued by how well that I'm doing. And then I can give them the hope that's in me and say, God is the only reason I'm like this, right? So that's why I'm blessed. That's why I'm content. That's why I'm aggressively ordering my life. I'm aggressive because why? Why will God bless me with this financial, uh, uh, whatever this level of money if my if my money's not in order? So I'm quickly getting my money in order. I'm working on my money. If I want more money, I got to order my current money. If if I want more honey, I got to treat my honey different. You know what I'm saying? If I want more, you know what I'm saying? If I want a great marriage, I got to make sure I do what I got to do. I'm aggressively after ordering my life so that God can order some things in my life. Let's keep going. Three, uh, C-O-D. You got to start drafting your codes and test their durability. I spelled there wrong. Give me wrong. Give me back there. Start drafting. Start writing down. You consulted the word of God. You done implement your desired outcomes. Now start drafting your code of conduct. How will I treat? Let's go back. How will I treat myself? Let's go back. How will I treat myself? How will I think? Now you start drafting your document. Document. This is the way I will think. I'll think of things that are above, etc. I will treat. I will self care. I will self love. Make sure you check out my previous video right before this in my playlist on YouTube. Self worth and singleness. That will help you with your self worth, right? So then you'll be over here like drafting your actual code of conduct as a document, like typing it out, right? And then over time, test that durability, like. Uh, uh, so as you grow, because maybe what you put in your document right now, because it's a breathable document, maybe what you put in your document right now is, is babe level. Now you're going up to mature level and that document is being tested more durable. Then you determine, then you start determining the accountability you need, all that kind of stuff. So you will be strong and passionate right now developing your code of conduct, but you got to make sure, okay, oh, this didn't work because I didn't have this accountability piece. Oh, the reason why I failed here in my behavior is because, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't in my world like I needed to be. Now, what I mean by that, what I mean, I, I wasn't in my fellowship with God like I used to. I got distracted. All right. Number four, embody them. E, embody them, meaning feel their importance. Why must I live this way? Embody it. What I normally do, I put myself in a consequence before I make a choice. I put myself in a consequence before I make a choice. So if I'm tempted to do anything or tested to do anything, I try to think three moves ahead and find out what that consequence feel like. Most consequences are not in the first move. So you got to think three moves ahead. Most consequences are not hitting the first move. In the first move is the enjoyment of the choice. Number two, the second step is the addiction to the choice. So number one, what's usually in uh, 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 move number one is the enjoyment of the choice. Oh, wow. No consequence. I'm enjoying it. The devil ain't just going to let consequence hit you in the mouth in the first move. No, he gets you to taste it, to enjoy it. The second is <clears throat> to get you doing it so much <clears throat> that you that you um, enjoy it in the first move and then you become addicted in the second move. And then in the third move, there's where the consequence comes. So I overlook the first two. Boom, boom, I'm in the third. Let me feel the consequence. What will be the consequence of doing this against my wife? What will be the consequence of me doing this against X, Y, or Z or doing it? What embody? Let me feel the consequence. And then it scares me from making a choice. 
When you think three moves ahead and you and, and you feel the consequence, oh, it'll make you run from the choice. Oh, I can't do this because I know what this is going to do to my marriage. No, no, I don't got time for no smoke from my wife. I feel it. I feel it first. So that I don't even taste it and enjoy it or get a chance to be addicted to it. Because I know the consequence, right? That's what we got to do. So when you embody the reason why, you embody these doctrines because you know, if I don't do this, I will fracture my, I have to heal so that my son will never have to deal with the problems I dealt with. I got to, I got to heal so my children won't deal with this. I got to heal from this so my children won't deal from this. I got to heal from this so my wife and, and, her, and her motherhood don't have to deal with this. I got to heal from this so that the people that look up to me now have to deal with that. I heal so they don't have to deal with it. Heal from it so they won't have to deal with it. That's what you got to do. I got to behave. And that's what will help you to, to, uh, to, to behave or conduct yourself the right way in certain situations to the point to where like Joseph, you'll run, but you'll run with your coat tied to you. You won't leave no evidence. First off, you won't even be in another man's house with another when it's with the man not there. So you will think three moves ahead. Is is part of for home? No, part of it's not home. Well, I'm never gonna be in his house. I guarantee it. If Joseph was never in Potiphar's house, when Potiphar wasn't there, if that was a code of conduct for Joseph, Joseph would have never went to prison. Even though he didn't properly, even though he wasn't, his intentions was genuine, he wasn't mature. And sometimes our immature decisions with our good spoken evil of put us in prison unnecessarily. But thanks be to God, God can still use you in a prison. But we got to think three moves ahead. If he would have had a behavior conduct that says, I'm not in another man's house when a man ain't there, he would have never found his feet in prison. So what I'm saying is we got to embody it, feel it, deal with it, so that the people that's connected to us up on us will never have to deal with it because we dealt with it. Embody them and erase the effects of your past. How can we conduct going forward if we still condemned by our past? Man, that stuff's under the blood, fam. Man, I have amnesia. Oh, I have amnesia. I don't care if I make a, if I do a sin tonight, if I do a sin yesterday, I have amnesia. I know I belong to God. I know his grace is sufficient for me. So I assess, I adjust to advance, and then I have amnesia. I assess my situation. It's what you do when you find yourself and, and you made a mistake. You Number one, you acknowledge. You acknowledge that God is there with you. You acknowledge that God loves you. You acknowledge what comes with sonship and daughtership with God. You acknowledge him. God, I, I know who you are to me. I love you, Lord. I, I, I repent. Acknowledge God and repent. Number two, assess Assess what you're going through. Assess what happened. Assess what contributed to that fall. Assess. Assess seven days backwards. Sometimes you got to assess two weeks backwards and say, what habits and behaviors did I did I allow? What music? What things were I involved in? Who people? What kind of circle was I around? What shows were I watching? What contributed to me becoming weak and weekend so that I was set up to be uh, um uh, to fall into that sin? Assess. Once you have acknowledged God and repented, then you have assessed, then you make the adjustments. Then you say, okay, I need to implement, increase my accountability. I got to completely get rid of this thing. I'm like, you start making adjustments. Then you have amnesia. Then you just forget about it. I don't dwell on it. Amnesia and then advance. Keep going. That's what you do when you find yourself in doo-doo. <laughs> Let's keep going. I think that's all my notes. 
I really think so. Yep. This book right here is available on Amazon. The Purpose Singleness. These points right here, I wrote this book in 2000, Lord, 2013, 2015, or something like that. I wrote this book a long time ago. So a lot of these videos and stuff that I'm doing right now is new um, revelation from God, new, just new stuff, man, that God has poured into me. So utilize this book with these videos. Um, great tool. Um, great book. And I pray it was a blessing to you. Um, ah, my wife's coming home soon. Let me see if she called. Oh, thank y'all so much. Y'all donating. Thank y'all so much for giving, man. I appreciate that. Well, thank y'all so much. Thank y'all for y'all donations, man. I appreciate it. Y'all y'all giving while y'all was watching. Thank y'all. Y'all giving really helps, man. Um, helps me with uh, the mentoring program I have in my school called Propel. I'm at a middle school and high school now, so... The funds now and the, and the stuff that we're doing now is here to help build these young people. Um, a lot of people have already started YouTube channels. I help them start their uh, business. Some people start already being entrepreneurs already. So y'all help me with that. Um, I mean, creating my goals to create card games and books to help teens and teenagers and youth to really grow. So all y'all's giving really helps with that. And you can do so at IamUnplugged.com. Let me see. Uh, IamUnplugged.com. However God leads you to give, man, because God is my provider and he joins people to help provide. So I'm not not going out here and labor long about giving. But you can also support in other ways like books, card games, all that stuff on my website. All that's on IamUnplugged.com. If you want to um, and you want to get more from your giving, you can also join my Patreon community. For doers only, just simply go to patreon.com, type in Joshua Ezzy, you'll see my Patreon page, and that's going to be the way I'm going to coach going forward. So wherever wherever area that you feel that you could financially partner with me as I partner with you, um, click the link below. Um, however you feel that you could partner with, we have an $8, $25, $35, $50, $125, the higher you go, the more coaching you receive, but everybody gets some level of coaching. Um, and that's what I'm giving a lot of my energy to when it comes to coaching. And I may do one-on-one coaching with other people, um, um, but that's the way my family structure, the way I'm structuring my goals now. I'm in writing season. I want to make sure that I serve people in a in a, in a community, uh, some one-on-one, of course. But if that's a benefit to you and you like, I want to check out his Patreon, make sure you go to uh, patreon.com and you like, I want to give, I want to support Josh, but I also want to get something from it. That's cool. You can get books, you know, all this stuff, but go to Patreon. Um, uh, uh, select the price bracket that fits you, man. Cash, I just came through. Man, y'all so y'all some nice people, bro. Y'all some nice, generous people. Um, and uh, and join me there. Um, we do a Patreon call every Saturday at two p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where you get intimate one-on-one uh, or face-to-face interaction with me. People in the Patreon they ask great questions. We talk about purpose, talk about life, all that good stuff. So join me on Patreon. Um, if you just feel like, Hey coach, I'm good with my purpose. I just want to give towards you. You can do that. Books, card games, just donating, whatever you feel led to give. I would love your support, man. And thank y'all for your generosity, man. Um, I think that's it, man. I'm looking at my, uh, uh, what a blessing. God bless you. Thank you, coach. You're so welcome. This was awesome. Thank you. Good. God bless you. Exactly. You are preaching coach. Thank y'all. We got some hands up in the building. Thank y'all. That's right. I got to heal from this so that don't have to deal with it. I'm telling you. We don't want to fracture the next generation because we never allow God to patch up our fractured areas. I got to go, y'all. My wife coming home soon. Got a ministry cap. See, the thing about having hats is you don't take the hat off. You just rotate the hats. So right now, 
Coach Josh, I'm just rotating the hat to husband. So I don't take the hat off. I'm rotating. So now about to be husband. All that good stuff. Love y'all, man. Probably do a video tomorrow. Q&A. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time. I think that's everything. Do, uh, hey, Coach, question was the first one. Ah, Joshua. Let me see. Boy, you're lucky you got my namesake. Just joking. I'll mess with you. you. Ain't lucky. You blessed. Hey, coach, as difficult as controlling sexual desires are for single men and singleness, why aren't pastors besides yourself talking about this as much? They make it seem like they don't struggle. Let me see if you. And also, does managing your sexual desire in marriage easier or harder than singleness? Great questions. Let me scroll back up. <clears throat> Great question, fam. All right. Hey, coach, as difficult as controlling sexual desires are for single men and singleness, why aren't pastors beside yourself talking? Because they're struggling with it. You avoid what where, where you have a void. You avoid where you have a void, right? So some people have, it is difficult for them to talk about it because they're still structuring, they're still struggling with it. And they're still, uh, uh, they feel guilty by sharing it because they're still in the mess, right? Why would I deliver a message where I'm still in a mess in, right? So, or that could be other reasons, or some people are just not gifted or anointed in those areas. I'm not trying to make it, but there's various reasons, of course, but a lot of people don't because they still struggle in the area, right? Um, or some people just ain't wired that way, right? So, hey, coach, as difficult as controlling sexual desires are for single men, in singleness, why aren't pastors beside yourself talking about as much? I, okay, I just said that. They make it seem like they don't struggle. Well, you first first off, men have to understand, preachers have to understand that uh, we can't give off this godlike nature, this perfect nature. We got to let people know that we're human, that we need Jesus just as much, if not more than you, because we are speaking on behalf of him. So some people, they avoid that type of talk because they want to be seen as uh, an idol. They want to be worshipped. But when a person is vulnerable and transparent and they're revealing that they need God just as much as you and have to be on guard on this just as much as you, I have to be on guard against this as much as you, if not more. Right. So but if I. Uh, present myself as this perfect person, then people will be drawn to me more so than Christ because I have an ego problem and I have a slow self-esteem. So that's why people do that, right? And also, does managing your sexual desire in marriage easier or harder than singleness? Well, well, I, well, yeah. I mean, it's easier in marriage, not because marriage solved it. It's because of my devotion to God, me belonging to him. So I don't want you to ever think that marriage solves a problem. Marriage doesn't solve sexual desires. It doesn't engulf them. Because if you still got lust in your heart, you can have a whole wife and want and want to have a whole uh, 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 catalog of pornography on your phone or computer. So management is just allowing, making sure that God is management. You know, someone start emailing saying, Joshua, this is management. <laughs> That's how it is. So manage sexual desires in marriage easier or harder than singleness? I mean, I would say um, uh, singleness was probably harder, right? Uh, but but marriage didn't solve the problem. God solved the problem, right? But management is still key. You still have to manage it because it's a desire. Any desire can be perverted. Hear me. Any good desire can be perverted. Sexual desire is not a bad thing. 
and singleness has to be, it has to be managed. You can't be doing stuff that you can't be triggering an area where you can't use that area. If you keep triggering that area and you're not able to use that area in a marriage, then that area down there will start becoming more emboldened and more dominant. And you, because you're awakening, you're, in, you, you're, you're contributing to the growth of and the wetness of that's causing you to be more uh, aware of sexualization in the world and being instructed by it because you're triggering that area over and over again, which then presents you um, to be always triggered. But you 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 manage those desires by making sure those desires don't have life until the appropriate time, right? So even in marriage, you can't trigger those areas because because then you you can't allow that area to become dominant by you uh, uh, making um, accommodations for if that makes sense. So management boils down to time management. If you want to manage sexual desires, you got to manage your time, which is your life. You got to manage it. You got to be more productive. You got to make sure you make room and time for God always. The management of your time will lead to the management of your sexual desires because the more time you have devoted to other things, you'll be too tired to do other things or you'll be too distracted from being distracted by triggering areas that will make that would awaken such a beast in you. And all of a sudden it devours your singleness. It devours your marriage. It devours your children because you never dealt with that issue. Hope to help. I got to go, y'all. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Um, I hope that benefited you all. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.